Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings and salutations and welcome to another episode of Outside the Sheds. First off, Shedheads, I want to dedicate this episode of Outside the Sheds to Richard Boone, a uh, brother of a, the brother of probably my best friend, my wingman uh, here in my home city. Um, tough, tough week. Um, we lost a very important member um, of our family um, to his family, and I think uh, you have to take moments to honor people who've lived uh, a life um, that we all hope we we live and, and we can aspire to live, and uh, it may not always go the way we want it to. Um, but it's important to remember those who go on to hopefully a better place, as we always say. Uh, so, like I said, I'm dedicating this this episode of Outside the Sheds to Richard, uh, Richard Boone and his family. Now, as we go on from this, we're going to do a very inspirational, a little energetic, and I'm very, very excited because first and foremost, we're almost to the AFL Finals. We've completed the regular season. We're two weeks away from the regular season of the NRL coming to its finish, finale, whatever you want to say. Storylines have been made. Hatchets, axes have been swung. Coaches are no more, no longer in the coaching professions, we might say. Um, so a lot of things have happened. Uh, and I, I hope you can feel the energy. Uh, this is probably the most fun time of year. Uh, in this sport, or in both of these sports, I guess you could say, uh, and and we're coming towards the end of it, and we're getting ready to, to get close to to naming new champions and seeing, um, you know, finals, uh, you know, heroes made, guys who have stepped outside their their comfort zone and take their games to a whole new level. You know what we're trying to say. But before we can go to the finals, we got to finish these last two weeks of the NRL. So let's go into the forty twenty. First off, your Adamas going 5 for 8 for the week. Not bad. Uh, did definitely better in the AFL, which we'll talk about soon. But it, it all kicked off to the big blowout, the big match a lot of people were excited about. The grand final rematch, Panthers versus the Rabbitohs. It lived up to it. It lived up to the hype. Um, it... it, it I think we're going to talk a little bit later on the 40-20 in the deep dive, but... You saw a lot of heroics. The, the, the heroics started early in in the NRL going into finals week. And I think Liam Martin showed that by a guy no one even thought was going to play this week, or maybe not even until the finals, comes back after a few days after a pretty horrific injury and said, I think I feel good, so I'm going to play. And again, scores the, the game-winning try. For the Panthers, uh, as they score that minor premiership, bringing it home back-to-back years. So great job. Congratulations to Penrith. We're going to talk about them in detail here soon. But the Rabbitohs, again, they really they really had that game. Um, it just got away from them. Um, you know, once again, we in both, in both arenas, NRL, Rugby League, AFL, we had some horrific fans again. Um, sending death threats to players, um, talking about players' races. It's the most disgusting thing in the world. If that's if that's the energy that you have, and if that is as low as you are, that the, you're going to be a keyboard warrior or you're going to be a guy that attacks people when you're not standing in front of them, you're dirt. Sorry, that's just how you are. There's plenty of reasons. Trust me, your Shadadamas could do an entire show of why you can attack people. But because of their race, religion, orientation, that's not a reason to attack somebody. There's plenty of reasons to attack people. People have shown we may be the dumbest creature on the planet. But because of those reasons that I just stated, that's not a reason to attack people. Trust me, we, we'll do an after-season episode of stupidity and who to attack and why to attack. But not now. Not now. And in a bad form... To the people that attacked a young man, I'm not saying his name, 
because he's already been put through the spotlight enough for South Sydney, but enough, enough. So anyway, Rabbitohs still show that they're going to be in the strike possibly. Tough, tough couple weeks coming up for them and 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 the and the Chucks, the Roosters. So we'll have to wait and see. Cowboys forty eight, Warriors four. Uh, you know the Cows rebound after a tough, tough loss to to the Chucks. Uh, and they put one on the chin of the Warriors. And, and you know, I almost feel bad picking on the Warriors because I hate to say this, the Warriors have almost become the ruse or the eagles of the AFL. And a club that I think has a deep sense of pride just have really lost their way in showing it at times. So, um, tough, tough. But the Cows, a lot to be happy about. Uh, again, trucking along in that number two position. Storm 60, Broncos 12. The hoodoo continues for the Broncos trying to hold serve at home against the Melbourne Storm. Um, and the scary thing about the Storm is they're starting to get healthy. And now they're getting healthy with Munster back at fullback. And he seems like he's got a new lease on life. I know Braitha Nasta flew down and was in negotiations uh, for Cam to possibly stay with the Melbourne Storm, uh, and that's starting to look positive in the direction if you're a Storm fan. But a lot on the table, and I think this guy is is playing in his best shape, but he's also playing motivated to get what he thinks he deserves. So Storm looking strong. I think they're going to look even stronger going into the finals, finals, and why should we be surprised? Eels 42, Bulldogs 6. Mitchell Moses coming back early from that broken twig on his hand, the finger, um, and, he, and he conducted. He conducted traffic, the concerto, band director, whatever you want to say. Mitchell Moses, to me, is starting to play his way into a, a good paycheck coming up in the near future. Not that he's making bad money now, um, but I think he's only going to get better. And I think, truthfully, I think how Mitchell Moses goes is how... Parramatta is going to go uh, towards the back end of this season. Sharks 40, Seagulls 6. The hoodoo is actually finally broken. Uh, you know, the, the Sharks go into Brookie, get a victory, and get a, 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 a resounding victory. Let's just say that. Uh, unfortunately for Kieran Ford, his last game at home as a manly, as a manly Seagull, uh, he will be taking up his his quest for a championship up for the Gold Coast Titans in the future. But just a bad end of the season for the Seagulls. Uh, Sharkies are looking strong. Um, and, and, and they probably, unless wheels fall off, will finish in the top four. Roosters 72, Tigers 6. Um, record score in the NRL era. The Chooks put the beat down down on... The Tigers, uh, what what can you say about uh, about the West Tigers? They just can't seem to get a break. They they just seem to step on their own toes, make mistakes. Right now, they're already now talking that they are going to possibly that pretty much everybody's available. Uh, they've got three halves and Hastings, uh, uh, Adam Dewey and Luke Brooks, and they don't know which one they're going to keep, if they're going to keep two of them, if they're going to keep one of them. Just a mess. I, I, I know Tim Sheens has a vision. I just think a lot of those fans want to see that vision soon. And on the other hand, you got the Chucks, the Roosters, who you know your Shedded Amis picked them to win it all at the end of the season. I was looking a little worried there for a while. Business is not done. They still have to get a, a, a victory. We're going to go into a deep dive about, to me, the match of the round easily coming up. But if you're a Roosters fan, you got to feel good. Dragons 46, Titans 26. Dragons scoring six, excuse me, nine tries um, in a pretty heated battle with the Titans. Uh, there, was, there was definitely some, some, some dark moments in that match. But, but again... It's kind of strange. Like I said, I can never get a real a, a real pulse on what's going on with with the Red V uh, St. George. You know, there's a lot of talk that that Hook might be on the outs there. Um, you know, and, and and where do they go? You know, they tried to get in late uh, in in the bidding for the king 
oh, I'm sorry, you can't call him the king, but, you know, Seraldo, a lot of stuff was going on, but, um, again, the Dragons, in a match that, you know, we watched the Titans play some great footy in a, a couple weeks ago, thinking that they were going to parlay that in back-to-back weeks, they don't do it, Dragons come out on top. Raiders 28, Knights 22. Down 22-8 to eight at halftime, Canberra was, and pretty much looked like they were out. Now, the reason I knew they weren't a done team is, one, they were playing the Newcastle Knights, and two, because I knew they were going to go back in the sheds with Sticky. And I, and, and and when you know that a team plays for their coach, you know if he has a chance to talk to them as men to get them going for a second half, especially a half when they probably didn't play up to expectation. You knew that there was a strong chance that Canberra was going to come out and really put up a fight in the second half, and they did, scoring, uh, you know, 20 straight points uh, and and shutting out Newcastle in the second half. The Green Machine looking strong. Um, you, you can't really say they control their own fate trying to get into the finals, but they have probably the easiest road of those teams, you know, the Sydney Roosters, uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs. Of those three, they've got the easiest remaining schedule so great 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 week it was blowout city we all know that um horrible horrible scores sometimes tough to stay focused in some of these matches as teams are just getting throttled but it happens now the Penrith Panthers the Penny Panthers your 2022 minor premieres back-to-back you know minor premieres um and I've got to say something right now to me Liam Martin's dramatic return to the field to play last weekend, to, I, I have to say it shows me what the heart is at the foot of the Blue Mountains and what that jersey, what that team means to these guys and why they're truthfully the rock stars of the NRL right now. The Penny Panthers really didn't deserve to be in that game against South Sydney. And I know a lot of people when I say that are saying, what the heck are you talking about? You know, they're a really great club. You know, you're defending, you know, trophy razors, whatever you want to say. They are the the bar right now in the NRL. But they're playing without their two conductors. They're playing without Luai. They're playing without Nathan Cleary. And I just think this team has come together. And a lot of times, and people said this, some people that know the game quite well thought that this could be a galvanizing moment for Penrith to to go back and get better at some of the things they were even good at before. Their defense, knowing they were probably not going to put up the numbers they were putting up with Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary, but really focusing on their defense. And, and trying to lift their game in, in, in other areas. And, and I've got to say, they've done it. They've done it. And, 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 and I am still blown away about Liam Martin. I, I, there's no way that I thought that he was going to play this weekend or last weekend. And, and he did. And he, and he played with heart. He, he led from the front. Uh, and, and then he was rewarded for all the pain he probably put himself through by getting that 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 game-winning try. So um, it is fun. It's a fun team to watch. When you have a special team, it is fun to watch them. And, and even if you're not a fan of theirs, it, it is it is great to watch great teams in their sport, especially when they're riding out on top. And, and that's what we're getting right now with the Penrith Panthers. You have to say right now, Ivan Cleary's team easily – is the front runners to, to, to go back to back. Uh, they've already accomplished one of those goals with the minor premiership. And now you have to wonder if it's just inevitable that they are going to lift the trophy. You know I didn't pick them shedheads. I'm not blowing smoke. I'm just saying right now they are the better the betterman's favorite to win another championship. So uh really, really impressive victory uh, that they just kept their mental steel and got the victory over South Sydney, uh, and again, set themselves up with another minor premiership. Now, we're coming, I just said that, off a blowout weekend. Uh, 
But we're going to be rewarded for that. We're going to be rewarded for watching some scores that were over with two minutes into the game. Okay, maybe not that bad, but it felt like it. And we're going to be rewarded by this Friday night matchup we've got coming up right now. Down in Melbourne, we've got the Storm and we've got the Chooks, the Roosters. The bo- Both teams are coming off a round where they outscored their opponents by 114 points combined. 114 points combined, they blew out their competition. That's insane. That, to me, is, is insane. But both of these teams have reason to believe that this is their game coming up. That this is the game that they are going to prevail and going to springboard themselves up to greatness and and into a great final season. For the Storm behind Munster's move back to fullback, brilliant by Bellyache, um, and a new vigilant defense. I'm saying for a while there, they were leaking in points. I don't know if I've ever seen Bellyache look the way that he did. Craig Bellamy looked like he was out of sorts in the box, but he wasn't even screaming. I think he was wondering what he was going to do to strike a little fire into the hearts of his club. And he's done that. Um, that defense is lights, and it's day and night compared to what they were. They're lights out right now. They're lights out. And I think it's going to be so great about this is watch them go up against the Chooks. Because the Roosters, just as much as, as the Storm has now revitalized their finals chances and and believing in themselves again. The Chooks had to feel just as strong about this as well. They're they are coming to put it plain and simple. Um, they're they've got a six game winning streak right now, and what better thing than you want going in the finals but feeling hot? But six games in a row. Luke Keery is healthy, and I think. You know, I think we were all worried about it. I, I would have loved to see Luke Curry run back on the field wearing a helmet, you know, a, a soft helmet, whatever you want to say. Um, because I think I was really nervous that he was going to get that next knock. And I know how unlucky the Chooks have been lately about players having to retire because of head trauma and head injury. So one of his first games back, Curry took a little bit of a blow to the head. Uh, he His head hit the ground. And I will tell you, Shedheads, I was really nervous that that could be the end of Luke Carey's career. But I was wrong, thankfully. And since then, maybe it was that knock he took and he got up and he didn't feel bad afterwards. But he is back to being the Luke Carey that made him a special half. He's attacking the line. He's doing cutout passes. He goes deep in the line and he's running the ball. And when Luke Carey's playing his best footy, he's running the ball and trying to get mixed matches on the corner. And, and that is his style. And that's how you know when Luke Carey is feeling himself, when he's feeling strong about what he's trying to do. So you have that. And then you have the brute force of JWH, Jeremiah Hargraves, and the new enforcer, Matt Lodge. And I think when Matt Lodge came to the Chooks, a lot of people really didn't think that that was Rooster's material. Matt Lodge has got a trouble past. Matt Lodge uh, left the Warriors kind of in a stink. Um, and, and, and so you don't really see a lot of players with that type of baggage going to the Sydney Roosters. But then you have a guy by Trent Robinson, who's your coach. And, and to me, if you're looking at making a guy changing his fortunes, changing their perspective on the game and on life, Robbo, to me, is the best in the business. And that's just my feeling. I think there's something deep about the guy. There's something that's special about him. And I think he gets the best out of his players. So maybe it shouldn't surprise any of us that Matt Lodge is playing the way Matt Lodge is playing. But these two are a wrecking force. And it could be the reason that the Chooks go all the way to the final and maybe even win this whole thing because of the brutality of these two guys. So the front line is back to being an imposing force. And that, to me, is what could be the difference in this match coming up between these two teams. 
Now, the Storm are two points clear of Parramatta in the fourth place position. And the Chooks are in six right now. And they're right there. They've got to win one of their last two games to, to lock down their finals position. And so both of these teams really need this victory because you don't you never know what the Eels are going to do. And so the Storm have to pay attention to that. They have to be ready. And the only way they can make sure that they can keep Parramatta off them is to continue winning. And then the Chooks have to keep winning because there's no guarantee they're even in the finals yet. I think that it's a done deal. I think they'll win one of these next two weeks, but they've got the Storm this week, and they've got their arch rivals, the Rabbitohs, next week. And next weekend's game, if something goes wrong for both of these teams, South Sydney and Sydney, could be a winner-take-all to go to the finals. So everything is there. Everything's on the table. I think this could be possibly the match of the year. That's how much I think these two teams are going to let it all hang out on, on Friday night. So... It is a late, late or early, early morning game, no matter how you want to see it. It's a four and some change game. But if you want to lose sleep and want to watch Rugby League at its finest, it's one you can't miss. Must watch TV. And I'm going to tell you something. It's going to upset Mrs. Shedadamas, but I'm going to stay up and watch that one. Now, besides their horrendous performance, and unfortunately we've said that more often than we've said anything else for the West Tigers, it was punctuated by one action that happened and their blowout loss to the Roosters. Blowout, blowout, blowout uh, is all we can say on that. But James Tomo, the team captain, and, and you have to feel for James Tomo because he buried his coach. Uh, and that was tough. I'm saying you know what, what Greeny meant to him. So... He buried his coach. So maybe it shouldn't be, I don't know, maybe it shouldn't have caught any of us off guard, the emotions that he was playing with. But James Tomo snapped at the end of that match against the Chooks. And saying some some expletives that, that started with an F and ended with a K, and you guys can fill in the middles, uh, he got a grade three contrary conduct charge for dissent uh, against referee Ben, Mr. Clean Cummins. Boy, I, I don't know what happened in the... You know, we all are carrying baggage from COVID, but I don't know how Ben Cummins went from having some lettuce up there to being the new Mr. Clean of the NRL. But, hey, he keeps it tight, he keeps it clean, and he's shiny the entire match. But I was shocked, truthfully, I will say that, to see the spray that, that James Tomo gave. Now... I told you what the original charge was, and that came with a two-match suspension. Now, that's going to rule him out for the rest of the season, right? The problem for James Talmo is, or should I say, let's start off what he did. Right after the match, James Talmo apologized, said he was in the wrong, said he couldn't believe that he did that, that it was not something that he should have ever done, he was ashamed, blah, blah, blah. Okay, exactly what he should have said. Then everybody from Gus Gould to a lot of people come out and say this was so out of character for James Tomo. He's one of the nice guys in the game and and just really spoke up James Tomo. Now, everything I've seen about James Tomo, I believe all of these guys. I believe everything they say, that he's a great guy. But if your job is to protect your match officials, and we always have to see Abdo speaking on Mondays, talking about how refs got it right and defending, 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 if you're going to do that, how can you strike down this two-match ban even though he went in pleading guilty but just asked for a little bit of a hmm, leniency? Hmm, let me say that again. Leniency or a downgrade in his charge. Well, he got it. And I am truthfully blown away because you saw what happened to the hectic cheese when he had his outburst up at Cronulla, right? So James Talmo gets one game suspension for the stuff that he said to, to Mr. Clean Cummins. I, I think it's wrong. I think that you've got to have respect. And when kids, 
The reason that you do this type of stuff with judiciary, let me say, say that five times, judiciary, when you try to set precedent there, how can you let a guy off that says that? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I know that this is probably James Tomo's last game in the NRL because uh, he's going to play. He's out this week. He's going to play the last match of the season for the Tigers against the Raiders, which could be a huge match, a huge, huge match uh, with implications to the finals. But to let him off to, to finish out his NRL career, it just seems to me like it sends the wrong message. And no matter how great of a guy James Tomo is, I do think the NRL got it wrong there. So we'll have to wait and see how James Tomo performs. But again, he is going to be able to perform in the last week of the season. Now, one of the most colorful players, one of my favorite big men to watch in the game, Andrew Fafita, Cronulla Sharks, Mr. I got a big try in 2016 to actually help Cronulla turn the lights off. Andrew Fafita has informed his club and the rest of the NRL that this will be his last season with the Cronulla Sharks. Now, I will tell you this right now. That caught me off guard because I know that Fafita was trying to possibly look to play on, and I don't think I really pictured him playing for anybody else, right? He is kind of a folk hero with Cronulla. But he's come out and said that this is his last season with Cronulla, but the thing that caught me off guard is he's saying he thinks he's still got a season left in him. And he really threw some hints that he might want to go back and play for Sheenzy and the Tigers because he said, and, and I quote, they haven't been to the finals since I played for them last. Th that was so long ago, I don't think a lot of people even remember that Andrew Fafita played for the Tigers back in 2011. Crazy, but true. So it's, to me, going to be very, very strange to see Andrew Fafita running back on a rugby league field in any other color but blue and black. Um, but you know what? That's what happens in this game. Fafita knows that that he is kind of long in the tooth, that there's a lot of young players that are coming up through Cronulla, and he doesn't want, doesn't want to hold back the club that he loves, and he wants to go and be able to finish his career out and probably get more playing time. So I have to say, one of my favorite players again to watch. Congratulations on a great career for Cronulla. I'm happy I got to watch him play a match live uh, at Cronulla at Shark Park. So... It's going to be interesting for me to see where he goes next. And I think he's the perfect type of guy you would want to bring into the West Tigers to try to change that locker room a little bit. So congratulations, Andrew Fafita, for a great, great career at, at Cronulla and up, up to you. Now, let's go into some picks for this, this upcoming weekend. Uh, and we're starting off on Thursday with a barn burner of a game as well. Eels versus the Broncos up at Suncorp Stadium. And I've got to tell you something. Everything's pointing money-wise to go towards the Eels, but I'm going the other way. I'm taking the Brisbane Broncos. I know Selwyn Cabo is out for this game, uh, but I just think for some reason, Selwyn Cabo being out, I think T Marie Martin's going to have a brilliant game, and I think Adam Reynolds knows what he has to do. I think he finds a way to get the Broncos over the finish line, and they beat the Eels up at Suncorp. Friday, Warriors versus the Panthers. I don't care how hungover Penny, the Penny Panthers might be after winning the minor premiership. They're not losing the Warriors. I got the Panthers. And then the barn burner. Match of the round. Roosters versus the Storm in Melbourne. I'm going with the Roosters pulling the upset off. It's always an upset when you go into Melbourne late in the season like this. But I think the Chooks are going to set a statement that they are ready to go all the way. And they get the victory over the Melbourne Storm. Saturday, Seagulls versus the Raiders. Again, all the money is pretty much on the Raiders. The Seagulls have been a debacle since the Pride jersey and women in league round. But I think somehow Kieran Foran, DCE, circle the wagons and they find a way to upset Canberra down to the nation's capital and they get a victory over the Raiders. And then finally, we've got the Bulldogs versus the Sharks. I think the Dogs... I think the words of Mick Potter now are hollow because of the move for Cameron Seraldo. The, the players know that they're not playing for a coach that's going to be there next year and or, or really be influential in if they play next year for the Dogs. So I've got the Sharkies rolling them again, staying in that top three. 
in continuing their march to the finals. Sunday, Cowboys versus the Rabbitohs. Hmm. This was a tough one. This was the toughest pick for me of the round because I was going back and forth. But I am going to take the Cowboys to beat the Rabbitohs in Sydney. I just think that Todd Payton's boys, I think he's got them flowing along. I know Tommy Dearden's going to be out with another testicle injury. I don't know what's going on with the NRL with these testicle injuries, but he's going to be out. But I do find a way to, I just think the Cows are going to find a way to get this done. So I'm going with North Queensland. Dragons versus the Tigers. We talked a little bit earlier about, about a lot of people feeling that the sheds are, are divided for, for, for St. George. But I still think Ben Hunt and the guys find a way to come over the top of the Tigers and get a victory. I think it will be close, and I think the Dragons get the victory late. And then finally, Knights versus the Titans. Two teams that really a lot of people thought were going to be in the finals contention this year, who I guess you could say underachieved. But I've got the Titans finding a way to getting the job done over the Newcastle Knights. Now let's shift. Let's go to a little finality. A little finals. And that is because the final regular season round of the AFL was, was played. And as we go into on the mark, your Shadow Damas, 9 for 9 for picks in the AFL. Let's say that one more time. 9 for 9 with picks in the AFL. And we started it off with a match that a lot of people thought was going to be a really, really classic match. The D's versus the Lions up at the GABA. And I think the most exciting thing we got in that match was some words being exchanged between the captain, Zarco, and a D's player who was brought to tears. Um, But as Johnny Cena would say, uh, the champ is here because the D's handled the Lions 115-57. to and set themselves up, knocking down that number two position in going into the finals. Uh, but a big, big victory for the Melbourne Demons. And, and, a, and a big, they haven't had a great last five rounds, but they find a way to get it done in a pretty hostile environment and crowd. So congrats to Melbourne. Dockers 89, Giants 69. Um, Giants, again, give another scare to a team that had to have a victory. But in the end, the Dockers were too much, and the and the Giants go down. At least they got themselves a coach going forward, but the Dockers get the victory. Suns 114, Ruse 47. Uh, only the Ruse can make the Suns look like a top-four team. Uh, they got their man. We're going to talk about that in the deeper dive on the mark, but the Suns get a victory. Cats 131, Eagles 46. Geelong stride into the finals on a 13-match winning streak. And they get a big victory for Danger in his 300th game. Tigers 141. Bombers 75. Tigers roar into the finals like I said they were going to. And and cause a straight-up demolition of the Bombers. And sending that into a spiral of, of danger and explosiveness. Which we're getting ready to get into. Power 111, Crows 55, honoring Robbie Gray. The Power easily say the Crows in the showdown, 52. So a great victory. I was so happy to see Port Adelaide lifting for a champion like Robbie Gray. Uh, We talked about Robbie last week, so the Power get it done. Dogs 87, Hawks 64. The point differential accomplished by the Dogs, and they actually... Let's just say it. You guys already know all these scores. The Dogs getting the victory the way they need to and taking advantage of Carlton being Carlton make it to the finals of this victory. Pie 75, Blues 74. You know, the Blues saw what they had to do after the Doggies come out on top, but the Cardiac Pies find a way to help Carlton continue to sing the Blues continuing their hoodoo, not making another finals round when it looked like everything was there. We're going to talk about this one for sure to start off the in-depth on the mark. And finally, the Swans 88, Saints 74. Um, You know, the Saints put up a hell of a a fight in the second half, but the Swans not getting what they wanted, wanted that second place on the, you know, 
to, to finish finals, to go into finals. But they, they have to settle for third place, but they get the victory over the Saints. So, heartbreak. Shedheads, we've all had it. We've had heartbreak from our first girlfriends. Uh, we've had heartbreak by, you know, matches that we played in, no matter what sport it was in. Um, we've all had heartbreak. It's what life is. It's a matter of getting up off the canvas sometimes after heartbreak, but we've all experienced it. And sports is a number one catalyst of heartbreak. From players to fans, it can feel like you've lost a part of your life uh, when, a, when a bad result happens. The Carlton, the Carlton Blues fans have experienced this for a very, very long time, shitheads. Since 2013, they've experienced this. And to me, that's downright criminal. But I have to say the misery is going to continue because Sunday's loss is going to really sting for a very, very long time for Carlton fans because the Blues had a 24-point victory. Excuse me, 24-point lead. You wish victory. A 24-point lead over the Pies looking like after they came back from a deficit, looking like they were in control. Michael Voss's boys looked like they were heading the right direction. The celebrations were feeling that they were going to come. And then a late goal by Jamie Elliott seals their fate in the most brutal ways. And they go down 75-74 and keep their finals drought going at nine years. It was almost unfathomable what we watched. Now, we could go two different directions. We could talk again about the cardiac pies. And talk about how they, once again, you know, win a late game, come out on top, you know, go on pies, on and on and on. But I can't go that way. I, I can't go that way because to me, that game belonged to the Carlton Blues. And that loss is one that they have to carry. And we're going to talk about that. Carlton played spirited football under Michael Voss. And I will say that. They played some spirited football this season under Voss. They started the season winning nine of their first 12 games. Fans in Carlton were celebrating, thinking that the, that, that, that the finals was right around the corner, that they had everything where they wanted it. Everything was looking good. But then reality kicked in. The boat began to take on water, and Carlton goes out and lose three, excuse me, win three of their last 10 matches. Wins three of their last 10 matches. And to me, that, that type of inconsistency is what brought down the Blues and cost them their place, where, which looked like an inevitable, excuse me, an inevitable place in the finals during a per, certain parts of this season. Just, it just, just went up in smoke. I hate to say it. It went up in smoke. And you can't be inconsistent. You just cannot be inconsistent in today's day and age in sports. You can't. You can't lose three, four, five games in a row and think that you're going to turn it. It's barely ever happened. I remember Richmond went on a run one time when they started the season horribly. But besides that, it just doesn't go down that way. And the sad part is the pies showed that a team under pressure, a team that is, has, has just thrived on that, what happens when they play a team that isn't ready for that type of pressure? And Carlton showed they're just not ready yet. And unfortunately, we've got to just ask one question. Maybe next year? Maybe? Because again, another Carlton season ends in the Blues. <sighs> I hate to do this, but we're going to have to stay negative. We're going to stay negative, shitheads, because with their embarrassing defeat at the hands of their rivals, the Richmond Tigers, the bloodshed at Essendon began, and it began quickly, violently, and very, very swiftly. Because not long after Essendon went down to Richmond, head coach Ben Rutten was shown the door. And a lot of people thought that Ben was in trouble. A lot of people thought that he was on the ousters. A lot of people thought that there wasn't much chance for him, but... That's where a lot of people didn't see the, the right and left hook coming at the same time. Because 
it didn't end there because the door stayed open and CEO Xavier Campbell was eliminated. And a lot of that coming from a lot of people, a lot of whispering from their ill-fated attempt to act the end, not being in it early enough, losing out on the Clarko, Alistair Clarkson, losing at that freaking bid that they tried to put in late to try to steal him from, uh, you know, Greater Western Sydney and the, the, the ruse. But a lot of people think that was what was the final catalyst and why Campbell was broken off. And now it continues. It, this is, this is a, a horrible situation, but I guess to some Essendon fans, it could be a great situation because now former president Paul Brasher and Simon Madden have quit the board. Vice President Peter Allen and board member Sean Wellman are going to depart in the near future. And many believe this is just the beginning of of a, 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 I'm not a Game of Thrones guy, but a lot of people are comparing this to a wagging of a family in Game of Thrones. That 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 heads are just going to keep rolling and they're just going to weed everybody out. And I'm going to say something right now. For the Bombers, for, for teams that, that go this route, this next few months are key and vital for Essendon either rising from the flames like the Phoenix or them just burning out like a bad bomb. I'm sorry, Bombers fans. I probably shouldn't have said that. But ashes. The team just becoming smoldering ashes. This team is going to need an experienced coach, a an authoritarian, a coach that will give love, but is going to have to lay down the law. Because if they don't get that right now, they are, they are already a club with broken sheds. They're a club that has a broken clubhouse, uh, backbiting, Players turning on one another. They need a leader. And I think that's why the front runner so far for the job has been Ross Lyon. But no matter if they go with Ross or not, it is paramount that this club make the right decisions and bring in the right people. Because Essendon, I know it's been a long time. Uh, you know, you had the, the you know, the this the 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 Sada situation. It is not getting any better. And I know it's you're a passionate fan base, Essendon fan, but your club is really at the breaking point. Some people might say they're already broken, but it's going to be key to watch what happens next with the Essendon Football Club. Now, even though the Ruse just got done having a season that everyone wants to forget, and that's even people that aren't Ruse fans, for whatever reason, a club that played that bad of footy, 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 whoever played footy, let me know what the game's like. But anybody who watched that footy that 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 North Melbourne played, you wouldn't think they'd be able to celebrate much that quickly after a season ends, right? So not just the one-two Cancun, but they are celebrating because they won the sweepstakes. Now, a lot of us thought this was going to happen. But they won the sweepstakes of Alistair Clarkson. So you can turn in your, your, your winning lottery ticket numbers, North Melbourne fan. You got your man. The head Rue is coming back home. It's a five-year deal that Alistair Clarkson has signed. And so you have to feel good going forward that the man that they have at the helm may be able to turn the fortunes of a club that has taken it on the chin time and time again. Now, Clarko has not been in the final since 2016, but you still have to feel confident that a club that is, is, is going to now have their fourth coach in the last five years is finally, finally, I guess you could say positive, feeling positive going forward as an organization. And it's been a long time since Ruse fans can say that that is something they felt or something they experienced. So congratulations on a big coup from, from what I feel uh, for the North Melbourne Football Club. And we're going to finish this out. We're finishing out on the mark with some more big coaching news. The GWS Giants have got their man, 
and he's not really the guy a lot of people thought they were gonna they were gonna name, but they've named Richmond Tigers assistant coach Adam Kingsley as their new skipper. Now, I will tell you, you don't want to get in an arm wrestling match with Kingsley because he looks like he uh, probably lifts weights with with Hulk Hogan, brother, with those 28-inch pythons. Because the guy looks like he's jacked and racked. I don't know. But if anything, at least you know nobody's going to want to stand up to him at the club. But they got their guy. Now, to me, what's funny about this is because this is kind of a choice that came out of left field for me. And I'm wondering... If GWS is not doing this because they didn't find some inside information that Adam Kingsley might be close to Dustin Martin, and is this a a ploy by GWS to bring in a coach that maybe Dusty loves and might get him to pick GWS as, as a new landing spot if he really truthfully wants to leave Richmond and go up to Sydney? I don't know. But I think it, it just really, the, there's just something strange about the, the choice, even though a lot of people think that this is way overdue, that he, he's deserved a head coaching job for a while. But I'm just wondering if, if there might be some feelings that Dusty might follow uh, Kingsley up to GWS. So congratulations, I guess, Giants fans. Uh, congratulations to Adam Kingsley on his new appointment as, as the H. FC head football coach for the uh, GWS Giants, but um, it's going to be interesting to see if if some dominoes are going to fall because of this move. Now, as we go into the guns, shedheads, it was a unique round, which we've talked about, but my number one gun was a guy I didn't think I'd have as my number one gun, uh, a, gr- a really gutty player, but Nat Butcher for the Sydney Roosters, four tries, 136 running meters, two line breaks, three tackle breaks, and 31 tackles made. I don't know. I probably would have lost maybe my home if I ever would have thought that Nat Butcher would have tallied four. But congratulations to him because he got it done. My number two, Jamie Elliott. This is almost a culmination trophy for Jamie Elliott because he has been clutch for his beloved Collingwood Magpies. And getting that that game-deciding goal sending the Blues off to Blues land. Two goals, one behind, 12 disposals, 10 kicks, two handballs, four marks, and 324 meters gained. Jamie Elliott, a guy, we've talked about him recently on Outside the Sheds, a guy whose career looked like it might have been in jeopardy a few years ago, is now back playing some incredible footy for the Pies. And finally, Liam Martin, I told you the guy was a rock star to me. I have no idea how he went out there and played this last weekend. But one try, 148 running meters, two line breaks, six tackle breaks, three, 30 tackles made. Again, a, a, a stellar performance by Liam Martin. And to me, a, another show why the Penny Panthers are the Penny Panthers. So, great job for the Guns. And uh, let's see who brings it home this next week. And since we don't have any, you know, AFL footy, it's all rugby league all the time this coming week. But next week we will do our finals picks and we will have a little bit of a deep dive into the upcoming final series for the AFL. Now, a couple things outside the bubble. To me, the number one thing, and I can't believe I'm talking about this here, but after all the speculation, all the turmoil that he caused, Kevin Durant, KD, is now saying he is not going to leave the Brooklyn Nets. He's happy to be with the Brooklyn Nets, and he's going to go forward as a Brooklyn Net. Where do I start with this? KD, if this is what you thought your endgame was going to be, why did you cause the turmoil that you did? Why would you go to the president of the organization saying that you want the GM and you want Steve Nash, your head coach, fired for there to be any chance of you coming back to the club. How could you do that? I don't know. But the crazier thing is, how do the Brooklyn Nets think that they're going to be able to just say, oh yeah, everything's good. Nash, take the room. You take us to the finals. We're ready. Because you're going to tell me that Nash now has a vote of confidence inside that locker room after their biggest, quote-unquote, biggest all-star called him out and said he wants him gone? Shedhead's, this is going to end so bad because Kyrie's still there. 
KD is still there, and you got a bunch of other guys that are saying, well, what the heck is happening? Are these guys in? Are they all in, or are they partially in, partially out? Because last time I checked, you still have a guy that played half the games last year in Kyrie, and you have KD who can't seem to stay healthy either. So I guess Nets fans, this is why you're Nets fans, because you're probably not supposed to ever win anything. Um, And I don't see you win anything in the near future with these two guys at your helm as well. And then finally, I'm going to end, and I'm not going to drop a bunch of stats or anything like that. I'm just going to talk about being disappointed. Fernando Tatis Jr. failed his PED test for the San Diego Swinging Friars Padres. He's been ruled out the whole rest of the season. Is now going to go under the knife for shoulder surgery. But when you have a guy that a lot of people think is the future of the game, the most fun guy in the game, and he chooses the PED route, and there hasn't been any talk where he's gone, well, I thought that was just canola oil I was rubbing on my arms. No, he came out and pretty much said that he was at fault, he was in the wrong, and that he apologized for what he has done. Okay, that's beautiful. But that doesn't change the fact that a guy that everyone said was the shining star uh, of Major League Baseball on one of the most fun teams in MLB is now gone for 80 games. And like I said, you don't know if if that statue can ever be uh, shined up. Is the tarnish going to be so strong that Tatis will always be known as the guy that did this? Because there's players that are not in the Hall of Fame because of, of a poor decision or poor decisions they made over PEDs or drugs. So I just had to bring that to attention. I've talked positive on the about the Friars on this on this show plenty of times before, but another dark moment. The Friars can't seem to ever get out fully of their way. They'll have five things go great and then a major bombshell hit that just kind of balances everything up. So hopefully the Padres, with the investments they've made on some great players going forward, can make a deep dive, get into the, the the playoffs this year, but you have to really question where the team's head is at after hearing this. But um, we'll have to see about San Diego. Besides it being San Diego, as the great Ron Burgundy once said. Shedheads, that's it. That brings to a close another stellar episode of Outside the Sheds. Your host, the Shed Adamas, Corey Jackson here, conducting traffic, leading things, white gloves on. We're doing a full body cavity search. We're doing an inspection. We're inspecting for real teams. And we're going to find out who's real and who's a poser very, very soon. But until next week, Shedheads, take your no-dos, stay up late, watch some footy this weekend. You're going to have some classics. Until next week, Shedheads, stay out of trouble. Don't get, or don't get caught. Don't get caught. See ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.